This episode of the New Christendom Daily is taken from a live radio broadcast. There's no scripts. There's no do-overs. There's no cuts. It's just from a live radio show done by a guy with a microphone and a set of earbuds and a radio show who pours his heart, his mind, and his body and soul into one thing, bringing about the New Christendom Daily. You know, the regime leader goes over there yesterday and is making sports analogies. Well, you know, the guys are playing for the other team. Team? This is not a team sport. People are freaking dying. Team? Now, of course, there is a... Israelis blew up the hospital in Palestine. No, 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 that can't be possible. They... They're, they're nice and wonderful people. They would never do such a commit such an atrocity. Um, then it is no, no, no. The Palestinians and the Gazans, or whoever, whatever they're being called today, whatever is fashionable. No, no, they did it. They launched the missile, and it went off course, and it landed it, and it hit the hospital. Okay, two scenarios now. Now I don't know if Cesare was joking or not. Now, uh, is, is, is there a third candidate? Is there a third party that is uh, now vying for? No, 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 that was us. Our bad. Uh, you know, that was an F-17. You know, we dropped it inadvertently. Thought it was a school, not a hospital. How about let's just saying that it hit a hospital. It's an atrocity. If there was a ceasefire, no hospitals would be hit on either side. How about that? By the way, you're not talking about a, a ginormous landmass here. Some people seem to think that this is something uh, kind of a skirmish that's being fought in Kansas and that the westernmost boundary is like the Pacific Ocean and the easternmost is the Atlantic. Uh, try the state of New Hampshire. If you want to scale, look at New Hampshire or Vermont. Probably about the same size, very similar in size. Uh, you don't get, it's not thousands of miles across. There's a lot of people crammed into very small geographic areas with a lot of high-rise buildings here. But there is, it seems to me, though, the cult of death never sleeps. The globalist, global, pedo, sex cult of death never sleeps. You have Benjamin Netanyahu out there. We'll play it a soundbite. Giving a speech saying there's a new axis of evil. The world must stand with Israel to fight it. Uh, I must have missed that part of the contract that I signed when I became a, when I was born and I became an American citizen. Can you, can you tell me what clause number that is? Can you give me the article of the U.S. Constitution that says, or the Louisiana Constitution, the one that I live under, that says that I have to join and stand shoulder to shoulder with uh, with you and the Israelis against the rest of the planet? Far be it from, just considering the fact that that's probably a suicide mission. You know, the Chinese and the Russians have nuclear missiles, too. And from what I understand it, as I have been reading Colonel McGregor and others, 
Uh, the United States sending an aircraft carrier fleet near the conflict there is probably not a very smart idea. You know, the this is not World War II, man. Uh, you know, this is not the Battle of Lepanto. There's not going to be hand-to-hand -hand fighting on uh, combat fighting. The Russians, should they get involved, heaven forfend, actually have missiles that they can launch from the land that will probably be able to make it through our Iron Dome defenses that can get into the Mediterranean Sea and can take out an aircraft carrier. Again, this is not 1943 in the Battle of Midway. You're not going to have naval vessels sailing at each other, exchanging cannon fire. But, you know, we don't want to talk about any, any of that because apparently there are so many people in America that want another war that they just can't wait. And they, we are going to get our war. Whether you like it or not, we are going to sacrifice the bodies of tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of young American men that, quite frankly, I don't know where they would find the fighting men. I don't know where they'd find my, uh, enough Americans to go fight a World War III. Have you hung out with America's Utes? I have, recently. And I can tell you, if you were to draft those men, we'd lose. <laughs> we would lose. They probably would join the other team, Maggie. So again, the rush to war. By the way, Netanyahu used the term axis of evil. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Stop the phone. I've heard that one before. Don't tell me, don't tell me. Where did I hear it? Oh, wait a minute. It's coming to me. Uh, 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 oh, I know. The last time we needed to spend a couple of trillion dollars, uh, have the lives of 7,000 or so American young men snuffed out, have the legs, arms, eyeballs blown off, another 30 or 40,000, have the lives of about a half a million of them ruined, ruined, as the country folk would say, with PTSD, we used, we heard the term axis of evil. And then, then cowboy President B Bush vowed to fight a global war against terrorism. The terrorists underestimated us. By the way, who are these terrorists? Has anyone ever bothered to check the ID cards of the terrorists to confirm that they are actually terrorists? Here's something that we do know. We do know that there have been a couple of million, just in this year alone, a couple of million young men of military and fighting age capable that have crossed the southern border of the United States and are now squatting here illegally somewhere. We do know that. We do know that there was a pathway from uh, Machu, uh, Machurantina, Morantina, uh, 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 the country in Africa where they could go there uh, with completely open border, board a plane, fly to Berlin from Berlin or uh, on Berlin, as they say in French, in French, from Berlin, uh, they could fly then to Managua, Nicaragua, and then from Nicaragua they would catch the shuttle bus, which would take them to the south, uh, the 
Texas or New Mexico, Mexico border, where their coyote buddy, uh, 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 illegal immigrant uh, tourism, would see to it that they had Mauritania. Oh, I almost had it right. Mauritania. It was, it was good. Look, uh, horseshoes and atom bomb throwing. It was close enough. Mauritania, where they would then be guaranteed safe passage across the southern border of the United States. Here's something else that I, 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 I wish to kind of mention here. Bob and Julie Kupka came to the St. Benedict Center Conference. They left their home in Michigan. And the shortcut to get to that part of New Hampshire is to go to Canada. Part of the way uh, through Canada. So they entered into Canadian airspace in their RV Drove the three and a half hours or so uh, back, uh, uh, in a straight line, basically, across, rather than having to go south and then back up, um, and then attempted to re-enter the United States. Now, these are actual, bona fide, real American citizens. Birth certificates, confirmations, the whole shebang. Um, and what happened when the legally responsible Kupkas attempted to re-enter their homeland. American Customs and Border Patrol, CBP, stopped them at the checkpoint. Hey, you, white-looking supremacist criminal guy, what do you... What do you have stashed in the back of the RV? Uh... Stuff for us to eat, mattresses to sleep on and stuff. Um, well, you're like a white-looking supremacist guy. You look like kind of, you know, like a terrorist. How do I know you're not sneaking a bunch of Muslim terrorist guys in here? Uh, because I'm telling you there's none in there? Well, I don't believe you, white supremacist, white, white guy who looks like a white supremacist terrorist dude. Get out of the vehicle and open the back of the RV up. You know that these ass clowns actually went through the Kupka's RV with some sort, some strange sort of of, uh, scanning device? They wouldn't tell them what they were scanning for. Maybe it was aliens, I don't know. And after they had scanned all of the cabinets... All of the in, uh, uh, the inner parts of the uh, the RV, and we're given then a clean bill of health or whatever that means. Uh, then and only then were they allowed to re-enter the United States. I told Bob and Julie, I said, "Dude, you should have tanned up. Should have gotten. You should have got a one month membership to a tanning salon. Should have brought bottles of Copper Tone. You should have got yourself all darked up, dyed your hair really dark." took a crash course in Spanish, ripped off your license plate, and pretended that you were from some parts there uh, unknown in Central or Latin America. Because then when you would have crossed the border uh, uh, illegally, but with flying colors, they probably would have given you a hug and a kiss on either cheek. You would have been given a smartphone, free of charge, and yeah, yeah, you never have to pay the bill either. You're going to be given a free smartphone, a debit card, and a court date. 
You wouldn't need the court date if you're a national citizen. Throw that away. But you could have used the STEMI card and the smartphone for God knows how long. You also might have been asked to be a guest on The View or something like that for your heroic conquest of the northern border. Now we're all diversified and stuff, and diversity is our strength. Has anyone ever thought about the term diversity is our strength? Has anyone ever actually kind of laid that on a piece of graph paper and gone like, okay, let's see how this diversity is our strength thing is. Let's use a football analogy, shall we? I watched the New Orleans football Saints get clobbered by the Houston Texans on Sunday. Um, if diversity is, uh, is, is our strength, then we wouldn't want people speaking the same language on football teams, would we? I mean, imagine the stupidity of that. How undiverse and stuff like that is that? So we would want a quarterback guy to come in that didn't speak any English and maybe spoke, I don't know, Spanish as a first language. We would want him then calling the signals in that strange language. And we would want the rest of the team to not be of that particular region of Mexico or Central America so that they couldn't understand it. Now we're all diversified and stuff. In the Saints case, that might be better. Yeah, Maggie's saying in the case of the Saints, that it might, that that the New Orleans better. Saints, that might, that might actually be an improvement. <laughs> but diversity is our strength. Has everyone, anyone ever put pen to paper on this? I'm, I'm kind of rambling here because we've, we've been out of uh, uh, out of uh, town for uh, off the air for a couple of days. Let me and I'm going to come back to all of these, but I will come back to the Israeli Hamas conflict. But let me say one more thing about that. Donald Jeffries is going to be our special guest in the last hour of the program after Brother Andre Marie has a piece out on his Substack. And uh, I'm going to ask him where, uh, what the sources are for part of this. Hijackers, Hamas, and dual citizens. Now, Jeffrey's claims are in the article that before the death of Diane Feinbang, there were at least 13 members of the United States Senate that have dual citizenship and their dual citizenship country is Israel. Jeffries also claims, and again, I will ask him where he, what the source is for this, and I've heard this before, that there are at least 30 members of the House of Representatives that also claim to be Israeli, American, dual citizens. Now, I can confirm at least one of them, which is Adam Schiff. Schiff, by his own admission, says that he is an Israeli citizen and has said so from the floor of the House of Representatives. Now, I have a serious and grave problem with with this, and so should you. The serious and grave problem I have is not because that makes Adam Schiff an Israeli or a by citizenship a Jew. I don't have any issue with that whatsoever. Here's what I have an issue with. Can you pick a side? Whose freaking side are you on? 
You didn't get elected to represent the people of some district in Israel. You got elected, elected in Schiff's case, to represent the people of a district which is primarily in Los Angeles, last I checked. As a matter of fact, the reason that, that, that Schiff keeps being returned to the U.S. House of Representatives supposedly is because of his very tenacious support and defense of Armenia and Armenians. So why is he an Israeli citizen? One might ask. I might ask the question, why is anyone allowed in the House of Representatives or the United States Senate that claims citizenship in another country? Pick us again. Pick Kasai. Were they hedging their bets? After they ruin what little remains of this supposed republic, were they going to retreat back to the country from which they came from and just renounce this citizenship? No. Pick a freaking team, to use Biden's analogy. So I wanted to make sure that I was on steady ground, so I looked this up. Yes, Maggie. I said that's just like little Ben Shapiro said the other day. He's a U.S. citizen, but he has Israel to fall back on. You remember we played that audio? He is a dual citizen, I believe. Yeah, we did play the audio. But I have a, I, I, I'm an American citizen, yes, that's true, but I have Israel to fall back on. What do you mean you have Israel to fall back on? Can the rest of us pick another city? Here, I have an idea. Why don't we just call a certain area of Louisiana its own sovereign nation? And I'm going to say I am a citizen of Acadiana or New Acadiana and of the United States. So, you know, after you guys run up $230 trillion of debt and eventually go bankrupt, start, a war, start World War III, and we have actual military forces fighting your supposed army, I'm just going to retreat back to the new Von Day, to the new Acadiana. I'm just going to call it quits, call it a day, and I'm going to mail you my American passport. How about that? I think that there really is something seriously wrong here with this. Quick civics lesson. Civics 101, Ashley. Put Vion in front of the radio. Article 1, Section 2 of the U.S. Constitution. Just for poops and giggles. Yeah, I got a pocket copy of the Constitution now, but just for today, for poops and giggles, uh, I wanted to see what the actual document says. So I just thought I would read it to you. <clears throat> I know it doesn't make sense. I know we don't have a constitution any longer. I, 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 I look. I know all of my own tropes. Okay, I'm very, I'm well versed in them. But just for poops and giggles, shall we? Article one, section two: The House of Representatives shall be composed of members chosen every second year by the people of the several states, and the electors in each state shall have the qualifications requisite for electors of the most numerous branch of the state legislature. There's a lot to unpack in that. I won't do it now, but there's a lot contained in that paragraph. No person shall be a representant who shall not have attained the age of 25 years, because that's one qualification, and been seven years a citizen of the United States. That's two and number three, and who shall not, when elected, be an inhabitant of that state in which he shall be chosen. Okay. 25 years, seven years citizen, 
inhabitant of the state. That's three qualifications right there. What do we learn here? Citizen of the United States for seven years. Hmm. Now, this was written by a bunch of men who were actually forming the United States, weren't they? Well, kind of, sort of. There was a United States under the Articles of Confederation. Um, and what they meant then at the time was seven years a citizen of the United States under the Articles. Now, obviously, seven years after the Constitution was ratified by said state, then that would become the qualification. So, um, what did it mean to be a citizen of the United States under the Articles of Confederation? Good question. Well, we'd have to go look that one up. Uh, we don't have time in this segment here. Um, but I can tell you that the qualifications are pretty similar. But there's no mention in either of the, the, the founding documents of someone being a dual citizen. As a matter of fact, if you do a word search for dual in the Constitution, here's what you will get. Zero point zero. You'll get nothing. You'll get nada. You'll get bupkis. You'll get zero point zero. There is no such thing. Well, now, isn't it interesting that you can't secede as a state because it doesn't expressly say you can't secede, and that once you join the Union, that is the death sentence. It's a suicide pact from which a state can never escape. Walkerman doesn't say that. Well, using this, but, 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 but better charge play than the spirit of the Constitution, and you, once you join, you, you have the day in. Okay, well, in the spirit of the Constitution, can I make the deducement, if you will, that the framers of the Constitution thought that the men who ultimately would become members of the, of the House of Representatives and Senators would only have citizenship in the United States and not somewhere else abroad. There was almost a war fought over this. It was, it was the, the war was narrowly averted. And it was when John Adams was president. It happened The crisis was uh, Twix, 1798, and then it carried on into the Jefferson administration until 1802 or so, until Jefferson made it clear that he was not an enemy, and the United States was not never not going to fight a war and didn't think that the French were fighting a war with us. And what's very interesting to me that the Congress then, who would have been seven years removed from ratification in 1798, passed this thing called the Alien and Sedition Acts. What was the alien part of the Alien and Sedition Act, and what did it mean? The alien part, and there was, a, there was huge controversy over this. We've had the discussion for 12 years on the Mike Church Show, first on the SiriusXM Patriot channel, and now here, uh, uh, here uh, on the Crusade channel and on the Veritas Radio Network. Well, let me give you the Cliff Note version. The alien part of it is had to do with any state in the Union retaining the right after ratification of the Constitution of determining what an alien friend is and what an alien enemy is. Jefferson and Madison's argument through pen names to Adams and those who passed the Alien and Sedition Act 
was that the people of France in particular were alien friends of the state of Virginia and then uh, the state of Kentucky. And those two states would choose whether or not sans a declaration of war by the Congress, whether or not the French people that were visiting Virginia and Kentucky were alien friends or enemies and were entitled to municipal rights in either of the two states. Now, there's a lot going on here, but here's the basic point and the basic premise. The Alien and Sedition Act draws a line between citizens of the United States and citizens, even citizens who are friends of other countries, and says that if they are suspected of conspiring or conspiring to plan or to agitate warlike activities, they can be arrested and they can be charged as alien enemies under the Alien and Sedition Act. Now, it should be very interesting to us that President Trump has actually quoted the Alien and Sedition Act recently. So apparently he seems to think they are still in effect. If they are, then the Constitution then, and the laws written there too, are making a distinction between a citizen of the United States and a citizen of another country that is not at war with the United States and is claiming that it has separate jurisdictional law that it can apply to the latter and not to the former. Am I the only one that sees the contradiction here with dual citizenship in the House of Representatives? 